the last episode of Storming the Gates, we looked at the God who finds stuff. And then it seemed like just after I finished producing and dropping that podcast, God tapped me on the shoulder and said, do you know I also search for things? Hmm, what could God be searching for? I mean, does he not see every little thing on the whole earth? Oh, but he showed me so much about what he is searching for. And you know what? We can help him find that thing he's searching for today. Tune in to Storming the Gates, a podcast that celebrates the power of prayer. Hello and welcome to Storming the Gates. And I am your host, Joni Scott. And I am so thankful to God that you are here today to celebrate and learn about prayer along with me. It just is my favorite subject. It's my jam. It really is. I do want you to know that you are going to be seeing uh, episodes less often, but they're going to be longer and meatier. That's why I want to do them a little less frequently so I can put more time into actual content that you get Well, our last episode of Storming the Gates was called The God Who Finds Stuff. So before I move into this next subject, I actually had quite a few responses from people telling me how God led them to find items. Sometimes they were certain that the item that they found could not have been where it was when they found it. One example is my own mother. She just turned 90, and she called me the second she was done listening to that podcast. Uh, She said, no one ever believes me when I tell them how God helps me find stuff. And then she went on to tell me a number of recent stories. She had car keys found at her church when she hadn't even been to church after the last time she used them. Her phone was lost And then she found it sitting on top of a stack of folded towels, even though she lost it before she folded those towels. God is so good. And it reminds me of Psalm 68, verse 5, where it says, God is the protector of the widows. She is not alone, and God is looking after her. And my mom might think no one believes her, but I sure do. I grew up observing what we siblings have come to call mom stories. There were so many answers to prayer and evidences that God was answering her faith-filled request. It has certainly influenced my own love and desire to pass on the joy of prayer. So I love you, Mom. Uh, Then another thing happened I wanted to share with you. The other day, our church held an end-of-the-year outdoor pizza party for the kids. I mean, it was a wonderfully warm day at the beach. We live really far up north, and I had to apologize to our congregation because I asked the kids to pray for a warm day. Well, it was very warm in the 90s, and we had great food and fellowship together at the beach. Well, after a while, as one family prepared to leave, the father realized that he couldn't find his keys. And he is not an absent-minded sort of guy. A frantic hunt for keys quickly ensued with many other adults and children all joining in as they combed the beach and the picnic area. 
I was needed elsewhere, so I was not involved in the massive key hunt, and I assumed they would soon be located. But after about 15 minutes, my daughter stopped by to tell me she was going to be going because she was going to give this family a ride home. And I saw them rushing towards their car. Just then, I remembered my own last episode of the podcast where we talked about how God finds things when we stop. Wait, you know, I called out to them, did you pray? Yes, they announced like, hello, it's obvious we're going to pray. No, no, no. And then I hurried after them. I said, did you stop and pray? Well, they thought about that and acknowledged, no, they, they really hadn't. Is it okay if we stop and pray? They were like, yeah, sure. So with that, we joined hands, and I had a friend nearby who also joined me. We quieted our frantic thoughts, and we called on God for his help. So the mother said, thank you, Joni, but we have to run. We have a family emergency going on right now. I didn't know what that was about, but I nodded, and I bid them well as they rushed off. And at that point, despite our prayer, even I did not expect God to reveal the keys. I mean, he only had about 30 seconds from after we prayed till they got to the car. How could he find them that quickly? And isn't that what happened? Emergencies, crises, they tie up our thoughts and our minds. And that's when we tend to misplace items. And also when we tend to be so consumed, we take it upon our own shoulders to fix the problem instead of stopping to trust the Lord. But it turned out that at the same time that we had stopped and gave the situation to the Lord, my husband was reaching into their vehicle where the kids were waiting for their parents and discovered the keys under a pair of shoes. And I was so excited when my husband returned to tell me he was by the car with the keys when they came to get their children. What an awesome answer to prayer. And I was excited because, again, there is a truth that God is revealing through this, that something very powerful happens when we choose to stop and turn over every situation to Lord. We're not just talking about lost keys here. They're just an example of how God begins to move when we relinquish control and let him take care of the situation. And you can hear more about the God who finds stuff by listening to my previous episode. And now we're going to move on to our next episode, the God who is searching for stuff. After I wrote and podcasted about God being the God who finds stuff, a new thought began to grow in my mind. And I heard God whispering, I not only find things, I also search for things. So I began looking up verses and discovered, yes, God searches as well. His depiction of the lost coin and lost sheep, notwithstanding, he is scouring the corners of the earth with his spiritual flashlight in search of something valuable. And you and I can help him find it. And it may seem odd to think of God as searching when he literally knows where everything is He counts the hairs on our head. He knows when a sparrow takes its last flight. He can even see viruses and cell structures. What would God need to search for? But actually, God's word 
tells us there are a number of things he is searching for. He's searching for you. Oh no, I can hear you saying, he's not searching for me anymore. I may have been lost once, but now I'm found. Well, not so fast there, because he is indeed still searching for you. In the midst of all our searching, God is searching for something unique and special. Take a look at Second Chronicles 16, verse 9. It says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So picture that. His eyes are combing the earth, sifting through the multitudes of people, hoping to uncover that one special person whose heart is fully committed to him. You know what? That actually makes me a wee bit sad. I want to think I am fully committed to him. But if his eyes are roaming the earth in a fervent search for the fully committed, well, such a soul must be as rare as a spotted zebra. Can we help God find a fully committed heart? So if someone were to ask me to help them find their lost dog, my first response is, well, what's your dog look like? So let's pose that question to ourselves. What does a heart fully committed to him look like? What would a person be doing who is fully committed to God? Well, I suspect that person would look a lot like hmm, Jesus. You can't get more committed to God than being the sinless son of God. Am I right? And Jesus was a man who rose before the sun and spent hours, even all night, in prayer. He said he always did what pleased his father. Jesus said in John 15, verse 10, that he had kept his father's commandments. We know he willingly kept his father's commandments to the point of death on a cross. Well, that might seem a bit lofty (laughs) for us, but the good news is we can help God find what he's searching for by becoming the one whose heart is fully committed. It's a process and it's hindered by sin, our sin nature, and by Satan. But within us, the Holy Spirit is continually calling us and leading us into a fully committed relationship with God. This means as we heed God's call to our heart, we are moving closer and closer to a place where we can be found fully committed. Another thing God is searching for can be found in John 4, 23, where Jesus said, The hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. Well, just like he wants a committed heart, he wants a worshiping heart. His spirit is checking the pews and rows at church services for worshipers. Oh, sure, he finds tons of singers, talented musicians, and people who can play instruments. There's a lot of those out there, but God doesn't need another singer or musician. He has singers aplenty. When I helped run the worship team at our church, it fascinated me how sometimes the simple act of being the leader of the singers would become the unveiling of an individual's heart attitude. Our church was small and it was in the middle of the woods, but there was still something heady about being in front of a crowd 
And I saw many gifted, anointed even, men and women whose soul got lost because they were on a stage. Even among the throngs who raise hands, who sing in our congregation, even our own hearts can be led astray by so many distractions. Our minds roam all over the place. We sing and scarcely know at times. What did I just sing? Worship is not a formality, and it's not just a Sunday tradition. What sort of worship does God look for? It is the type that is in spirit. In other words, it's not outward. It's birthed within us and then flows out of us, not the other way around, because of our connection and love of God. Secondly, the type that is in truth. That means the worship is honest. It's raw. It recognizes the truth of our humanity and the greatness of our God at the same time. It's rooted in what the Bible says about God, not about our own feelings, our own creations of God in our imaginations. And I believe you can know if God has found you in his search for true worshipers. When the service is over and when your iTunes are silent, do you still think of the greatness of God? When life is crazy, sad, or lonely, do you say, like Habakkuk in chapter 3, verse 17 through 18, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Alrighty, let's go to the third and what I personally feel is the most meaningful thing God is searching for. And there is a scripture that also has a lot of special meaning to me. And I'm going to explain that in a minute. I was a new believer and I'd heard about a prayer meeting at our church that was led by a frail elderly Welsh man named Reverend Willis. He had been saved during the famous Welsh revival in the early 1900s, and I was excited to meet him and hear what I assumed would be some powerful praying. The prayer room was packed, as I expected when I arrived, and I managed to find a place towards the front with my good friend Susan. Reverend Willis sat facing us, leaning on a cane, his eyes closed. There is no music. There is no dimming of the lights. Just a white-haired gentleman with a bowler hat and a large King James Bible sitting on a stand in front of him. He gingerly opened the great book very reverently, and he asked us all to turn to Ezekiel 22, verse 20, where he read these words. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land, so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. I nodded along with a large group of mostly young people. That's a cool verse, I thought. And then, slowly, carefully pronouncing each word, Reverend Willis read it again. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land, so I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. Okay, he read it twice. 
But then he read it again. And again. And I was getting restless. <laughs> I glanced around to see if anyone else was as weary of him reading the same verse as I was. But they all seemed attentive and engaged. Reverend Willis then read the first half along with the last half of the verse. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not have to destroy it. But I found none. He then read that entire section slowly, three or four more times. I shifted in my seat. I was bored. I was waiting for the power. I was waiting for the prayer. Where was the energy and the fire? Finally, he raised his head. and From my vantage point up front, I, I saw tears glistening in his roomy eyes. It's not that there were no praying people in Israel at that time. He stated in a thin, choked voice, there were many, but there was no one to stand in the gap. And now, now the tears trickled over his cheeks unhindered. Like the verses previous, he repeated the phrase a few more times, slowly, tears continuing. And I still didn't get it. I looked over at Susan and she was weeping along with Reverend Willis. Well, I was missing something. That's really all I knew. Finally, after about an hour of that, Reverend Willis prayed. Just a simple prayer. He asked God to send a man who would stand in the gap before him for the land in order that it might not be destroyed. And the prayer meeting ended. I walked out into that balmy San Diego air. <laughs> Mostly I was happy to be free of that oppressively long and slow prayer meeting. And yet the relief was quickly followed by shame. I was chagrined at how relieved I felt to be loosed from the monotonous meeting. As I gazed up into the night sky, I asked God to help me. Help me to have a heart like Reverend Willis's. Despite the desert heat, I felt cold inside. I want to weep for the things that make God weep. And even more, I want to be the one that God finds. The one that he would see and say, there she is. She will stand in the gap before me for the land, so I don't have to destroy it. I begin a new prayer to God. It's a prayer that stayed with me through all my years in California. It's a prayer that followed me to Michigan. And even when my husband and I planted a church in Michigan's lonely upper peninsula, when you look, Lord, find me. Whenever I caught my attitude towards the loss, being cold or dismissive, I would remember Reverend Willis. Find me, Lord, I would ask. Make me the one. I think that largely I have not become the great intercessor for the Lord I hoped and have continued to pray to be. But I can say I've learned to love the place of prayer. I learned to fast. And I've learned to rely on him to save the land I love and the people close to my heart. Like commitment to God and like worshiping in spirit and in truth, 
Prayerful intercession is a practice we grow in and lean into so that we may become the one God is searching for. So just to recap, God is searching for hearts that are fully committed to him. God is searching for true worshipers that worship him in spirit from the inside out, not singing songs and hoping they get inside. And God is searching for someone who won't just pray, but truly stand in the gap, lay down their lives for the land. Wow. Let's just ask the Lord to be the one that he finds. Lord, I so long to be that one. I long to be the one that you find when you search for the fully committed, when you search for the worshipers, when you search for the one who will stand before you in the gap for the land. Lord, forgive me for not being all that I can be and all that you've called me to be. But I know that you wouldn't call unless you desire for me to take yet another step forward. So today, oh Lord, I take that step forward towards you, that I might be the one you find when you search for a man or woman among them. Amen. Thank you for joining me once again on Storming the Gates, a podcast that celebrates prayer. And uh, I do hope you can connect with me at stormingthegates.net and sign up for the newsletter where I will be adding a Bible study for this podcast, an upcoming podcast, as well as information on upcoming events that I have planned. Oh, get ready because they are a coming. And also, I want to encourage you to stop by my Instagram page, Stormin the Gates. And that is where I share most of the daily things that God is saying and doing, uh, speaking to me in my life. I'd love to hear from you there, and I'd love to hear what God is saying and doing in your own life. Until then, God bless you, and let's be found by Him.